0: You guys can go ahead and be seated. Am I on? You guys hear me cool? hey you guys good to be with you thanks for bearing with us through all of these uh uh technical sort of difficulties um i know we've got uh some people who are uh new to our church community uh some people who are who are our guests and just visiting for the first time Uh, i know we have some people who uh have joined us during uh sort of this live stream uh quarantine uh era uh and have only attended service like online and so this uh is their first time uh really seeing us uh in the flesh and being together uh thank you guys all for for being here uh if you are new Uh, Just a little bit about us. Uh, We're a a relatively new church plant. We've been around for about two and a half years. And so uh, uh, back then, you know, when we gathered, uh, our setup was uh, really janky. None of the audio equipment worked. We always started late and the slides just didn't seem to work right. And so look how far we've come in two and a half years. But seriously, thank you guys. Uh, So much for uh, being here this morning and bearing with us as we figure out uh, how to do church um, uh, during uh, this season. It's truly uh, good to be with you guys this morning especially those of you that I've known, those of you that I've been praying for. Uh, it's really good to be with you, like with you in the, in the fullest and, and truest sense of that word. Um, I wanna give a, a special thank you uh, for the Hatter family for opening up their home uh, and their residence. They've always been so uh, just supportive of what God's been doing in and through our church community. Um, uh, Cole's going to hate that I'm saying this, but last night he sent me a message and he's like, hey, please don't feel like you have to say thank you to us. Uh, But uh, man, I just want to express our gratitude uh, to you guys. We've been longing to be together and to find a way to meet together as a a church uh, family in a way that was uh, safe and uh, respectful and and all that good stuff. And so thank you guys uh, for allowing us this opportunity to meet here and and worship this morning. I do also want to say thank you to uh, the serve team, those who came uh, early to help uh, set all of this up. clearly we got some work to do right Uh, to to figure out how to do this in a timely manner and to do this well so thank you guys for volunteering and I want to also say thank you to our our home group leaders who have just done a killer job over these last few months these last several weeks to um, um, just really lead us as a church family to make sure that we're staying connected through zoom praying for you guys investing into you guys uh, and one of the greatest joys for me as your pastor over these last couple months is to really just hear story after story to receive messages and voicemails and emails from many of you about how this just awkward and strange season has been just a great season of spiritual growth for you. And so I praise God for that. And I'm thankful for every single one of you guys. I love you all. And I'm just glad that we could be here this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, Let let, let me pray for us. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for uh, this opportunity that we have uh, to be together physically in person again. I thank you, Lord, uh, just for providing uh, this wonderful and beautiful space for us uh, to meet in. And I pray, God, that through um, just a all all the uh the hiccups and the jankiness of our technology and everything lord that all of us here and those streaming online um would be encouraged by your gospel and your message of hope that you have for us this morning it's in christ's name that i pray amen now, this morning, we are, are finishing uh, our teaching series uh, that we've been working through on the, the attributes of God. Uh, tr- our teaching series on the attributes of God that we're calling Rock of Ages. Um, and uh, to, to kind of set us off, I, I wanna share a story with you guys about um, an old mentor of ours. An old mentor of uh, my, my wife uh, and, and, and mine, uh, a couple years ago, uh, when we were visiting him, and when I say he's an old mentor of, of ours, I mean like, like he was really an old mentor of ours. Not like he's been a mentor of ours for a long time, but he was like 97 years old uh, at at the time, and so uh, he's uh, uh, really old. And even though he was old in age, uh, he was uh, his and his health was fading. His mind was sharp. And so every time that we went to meet with him, we'd still ask him questions about the Bible and theology and things like that. He was actually really formative for me personally uh, in helping me understand um, um, just the need for church planting uh, here in South Orange County. Uh, He's planted like five different churches, like all throughout uh, different states and all that. And so uh, every time we got together with him, I always had all these questions to, to ask him. There was always something to learn from him, and as his health was fading, and as he was nearing the end of his life, like he's no longer with us uh, today, but back then, a couple years ago, every time that we'd visit him, I'd always ask him questions about his health, about his well-being, about how he was wrestling uh, with his failing health, about what his faith life and spiritual life uh, looked like during that season of his life. I want, I want you guys to hear how he responded. We said, you know, Pastor Bill, like how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you find hope and strength and faith in seasons like this? And he told us that uh, one of the most helpful things that he does personally is he wakes up every single morning. And he just meditates on and he prays on a few attributes of God. And he shared with us this one morning uh, one of the prayers that he's prayed. He just wakes up in the morning. And he says, God, you're a God who never changes. And you are omnipotent. You're all powerful. You're omnipresent. You're always present and near. You're omniscient. You know all things. And you're always good. In other words, he was saying, look, Chris, like, even when when there's a lot about my life that I'm suffering through and a lot of uncertainties and unknowns, there's still this undeniable truth that I do know, that God is with me, that He's for me. And when I trust in His character, when I lean on His attributes, I can find rest and hope for my weary soul. And I think that reminder, that lesson that he taught us that morning is a needed reminder for all of us. That our God is with us and that he's for us in the everyday stuff of life. And all the little details, but also in like the, the big sort of uh, uh, matters of life and death situations. To know that I'm loved by a redeemer who cares about the details, who cares about what I'm facing, who doesn't turn a deaf ear to my prayers and to know that he's good and that he's powerful, that he knows all things and he's always present. You can never get overacquainted with the God of the scriptures. There's always more to learn about him. There's always more to know about him. And what it is that you know about God might be, might very well be the most important thing about you. Because what you know to be true about God has huge implications for how you worship him, but also how you live in this crazy world. So that's why we're working through these attributes of God over this last teaching series. And we're going to finish that series uh, today because in the midst of this year, With all of these crazy unknowns and uncertainties, we need, we really need to stand on something that is timeless and unchangeable, don't we? Something that is trustworthy and sturdy. A rock of ages, we might call it. And that rock of ages is the Lord God Almighty. And that prayer, that prayer, that morning, everyday prayer of our dying friend it has stuck with me ever since. That the most important thing we can rehearse to ourselves over and over and over and over again, especially when tomorrow is filled with a lot of strange unknowns, the most important thing we can rehearse to ourselves are the true things that we know about God. The true things about Him that He's revealed in His Word. And so this morning... I want us to close this teaching series by unpacking what's called the omniscience of God. The omniscience of God, which is basically theologians speak to say that God is all knowing, He's the God who knows all things. He has all knowledge, all wisdom. And for that, we're going to turn to the great book of Romans chapter 11. And so if you brought a Bible or you have an app on your phone, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 11. How many of you have read the book of Romans before? Now, you know, if you've read the book of Romans, that the, this book This letter that Paul's writing to the church in Rome is chock full of just what we might call a gospel goodness, right? It's almost like his magnum opus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He just starts uh, in Romans chapter 1 and goes on and on and on uh, about the glory of God and how he's made all things, about what it means to say that we're fallen sinners, and that how what it means even more so like to say that we are saved uh, by the grace and mercy that is found in, in Jesus Christ. And so he just goes on and on and on, uh, just digging into the gospel of God's grace and Um, And and, and so it's a rich book, but uh, up until Romans chapter 11, that's all that Paul's been talking about. He's been meditating on and unpacking who God is and all that he's done for us in Jesus. He's been unpacking the gospel, what we call the good news story. And at this point, at the end of chapter 11, which is where we'll be, at the end of Romans chapter 11, Paul just explodes. He bursts forth in praise and in worship. I want you to read verse 33 with me. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. I want you to notice how in this single verse, he just starts going to town uh, on exclamation points, right? He's just totally amazed at the nature and character of God here. Now I want you to look at the first part of that verse when, when he says, oh, at the beginning of verse 33, he says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. I don't want you to miss the emotion that is packed into that word oh. It's not like the kind of oh where you say like, oh hey, before I forget. It's an explosive word. The first word that explodes from Paul's mouth after going on and on and on, after writing and reflecting on the gospel for what is 11 chapters in our Bibles, on the nature and love of God towards us and Jesus, after going on and on about that, uh, it, Paul, the first word that he utters out of his mouth, like he doesn't even consult like a thesaurus, right? He just bursts out in praise. He just says, oh, oh, his soul is so overwhelmed. It's so stirred. And right here in verse 33, after saying, oh, the depths, Paul drops three characteristics of God, his riches, his wisdom, and his knowledge. Now I want us to consider why would why why does he say why does he focus on these three? Why 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 the riches, wisdom and knowledge? Why does he just burst forth in passion about those three character traits? It's helpful for us to understand that in the first century in the Near East region where these churches were being planted, everyone in that first century was under the ruling arm of the Roman Empire. And guess what the Roman Empire was known for? Riches, wisdom, and knowledge. You see, Rome, the Roman Empire, they they thought that they had it all. And everyone else believed it too, right? By all outward appearances, they, they did have it all. Their riches were constantly on display uh, through, uh, in their cities uh, as they, they, they extended the reach and the breadth of their, 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 their empire. Uh, you'd see gold uh, lining the streets. You'd see statues erected at all of their monuments they certainly were known for their riches they were also known for their wisdom i mean so many uh uh, uh philosophers were, were were growing in popularity their writings and their teachers teachings were were spreading like wildfire the, the, the roman philosophers were the wise sages of the world they were also known for knowledge the uh, different sciences and studies and in history and records and things like that they were known to be a people that understood all things that's why their, their their empire grew so quickly and powerfully is because of their riches wisdom and knowledge they thought they had it all let me ask you though where's that roman empire today Where's that empire today? You see, they thought they had it all. And this whole, like, thinking that you're on top of the world, thinking that you have it all, is not unlike these United States of America today. When many many people think of riches, they think of This nation, when we think of wisdom, we think of this nation. When we think of knowledge and science and arts and and media, we think America, right? And where's all that stuff now? Where's America at today? I mean, we're floundering along with the rest of the world. We're, we're, We're in turmoil. We're tearing each other's heads apart. We see that that riches are fleeting, that that wisdom and knowledge. Once you think you have it all, at the uh, the quick turn in the road, you realize uh, you really knew nothing much at all. You see, any attempts that we have at wisdom and knowledge, especially this year, (laughs) are short-sighted at best, right? Who thought that in the year of our Lord, 2020, that things would be, of all things, in the year 2020, things would be anything but clear, right? About what in the world is going on? Um. um some of you know that I've, I've been sharing this this, uh, this viral video that I just thought was hilarious uh, on on social media. It came out in in April, uh, and this uh, comedian, uh, this Canadian comedian uh, Julian Nolke, uh, she um, she does like one of those. Uh, split thing, split screen type of things where like she's sitting across the table from herself uh, and and basically in this bit that she posts on YouTube, it's her April self uh, sitting across the table from her January self. Right. So she's just like going back, going back in time to talk to herself from like a few months ago. Right. And if you've seen the video, you know, it's it's hilarious. Uh, And it it, when when uh, when, well, let's call her past Julie. Right. When past Julie from January 2020 uh, sees uh, basically a mirror uh, image, a doppelganger of herself. She's like all taken aback. And then uh, future Julie explains like, oh, I'm you from the future from April. Coming back in January to visit you, and past Julie's like all excited. She's like, "Wow, are you here to tell me about the future, about what's going to happen?" And in future, Julie's like, "Yeah, but you know, I can't tell you too much because you know, butterfly effect and and all that." Uh, but 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 she's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm 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 here to just maybe I, I can help prepare you." You know, uh, for for some of what's gonna happen, and then past Julie is just like so stoked, and she starts asking. She's just, uh, just so uh, thrilled by this opportunity to speak to her super or future self, and she starts asking questions about the impact of the Australian wildfires, and then and then future Julie's like Australian wildfires, and she's like, oh oh yeah, and then and then past Julie's like what do you mean? I mean, what do you mean? Did you forget about that? I mean, it's probably like the most defining feature of 2020. It's probably got to be right. Uh, And in future, Julie's like, yeah, no, no, not, not even a little bit. (laughs) Right. Uh, And then this bit goes on for like the next five minutes and she just keeps, uh, it's super hilarious. You should totally look it up. But, um, in this, um, the whole, the whole like punchline, the whole funny bit is like, is, is, is future Julie trying to explain to past Julie that she really has no idea. She has no idea what's going on or what's going to happen. We really have no control over our lives. We really don't have all the knowledge and all the wisdom that we think we do. And so contrasting our human sensibilities that are so clearly just uh, on display in that viral video. Here's the Apostle Paul in Romans 11 saying, Oh, the depths. Oh, the depths. You think Rome has riches, wisdom, and knowledge? How much more does our God possess that? And then in the rest of our passage, Paul starts to mash together these truths from Psalms, the book of Psalms, from the prophet Isaiah, from the story of Job to show just how really awesome God is in all of his wisdom and knowledge. At the end of verse 33, he says, How unsearchable are God's judgments and how unscrutable are his ways. Do you know what it means to be, uh, to, to, to scrutinize To scrutinize is is to like inspect something critically, especially if it's to determine if that thing is like true or good. We scrutinize all the time. We scrutinize each other. We scrutinize the news. What can I believe? What what, what should I throw out? You know, we scrutinize social media posts. We, the left scrutinizes the right. The right scrutinizes the left. We study, we analyze, we make uh, judgments. And Paul says here, Oh, you can't do any of that to God. He's inscrutable. He's untouchable. You can't examine his ways. You can't inspect them critically because you will exhaust yourself because he is perfect. Verse 34, he goes on and he says, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has been the counselor to God, he says, now right here, the recipients of, uh, of this letter from Paul would know that he's quoting Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 13 and 14, the prophet Isaiah says, Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him can show God his counsel? Whom did he, did God consult and who made him understand? Who taught God the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? You see, the reason that, those, that, that that passage is in the book of Isaiah is because back then, most of the cultures around at that time were polytheistic, which means that they believed in and they worshiped multiple gods. And so the common religious belief was that God's were basically just glorified versions of us, right? They didn't have all wisdom and knowledge, and so that these these gods would the the common belief was that these gods would hold sort of meetings, almost like a board meeting, right? And Isaiah says, uh, like to, to sort of deliberate amongst each other, to to scrutinize one another, uh, and, and 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 to make some uh, uh to make some calls, you know, for how the world and the universe should 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 unfold. They'd argue and deliberate and make decisions together. But Isaiah here, he's saying, no, that's not how the one true God works. Not the one true God, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who does he consult? No one. Who can teach him what is right and just? Nobody. Who can make him understand? Not a single person, because he knows all things. You see, Paul quotes this uh, well-known passage from Isaiah to sort of reacquaint us with who God is. I want you to see how big our God is. That's the whole point of this, of this Rock of Ages series, that in the midst of, of, of a world and seasons that are just so um, uncertain that we can be certain about and rest in, The bigness and strength of our God, the omniscience of God, the fact that he's all-knowing. You see, God is not a, he's not like a computer making calculations, trying to figure things out from that, trying to figure out everything outside of himself. He's the creator of all things. All things flow from him. So his knowledge comes from just his being. The fact that he's perfect. The fact that he's wise. The fact that he's unchangeable. The reason that we want to know the difference between truths and falsehood is because we have a God who is truth and who speaks truth. It's wired into creation. It's wired into who we are. The reason we know between the, the and we long for uh, goodness over evil is because we have a God who is good. The reason that we sit in awe before something that is beautiful, whether it's a, a scenery or arts or music or just being with your loved one, is because we have a God who is beautiful and all other things are just pale comparisons to his perfections. You see, this is the God who knows everything there is to know at a macro level, right? He knows everything there is to know about the universe. He knows, the Bible says that he, he knows all the stars and he's given them all names. He knows everything also at a micro level He's the one who created cells and quarks and nuclei and knows how it all magically works together. He knows everything at a global level from the turning of time and the rising and falling of kingdoms and empires. And he knows everything at a personal level. The number of hairs on your head. The number of days you will live. Everything there is to know about you and about me. In Hebrews 4.13, the author of Hebrews says that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You see, everyone, every single one of us is an open book to this God. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Nothing is concealed from His knowledge. He doesn't have to. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't have to learn everything. He doesn't have to get acquainted with you. He knows everything there is to know, which can either be a terrifying truth or a comforting one, depending on your relationship with Christ. You see, nothing surprises God. He's not in process. He doesn't have to learn to make good judgments he just is good he just is just he just is true he just is he knows all things and he knows it all at once this is just the nature of his godness and we can trust in him we can lean on him because he is all knowing you see We don't need a God who is just more than us, who's just bigger than us. We need a God whose understanding is beyond measure. You see, the attributes of God, every single attribute that we've talked about needs to be understood together in essence. You see, if God is perfect and unchangeable, we know that his knowledge is the same. His knowledge is perfect and unchangeable. And so if he makes a plan to save rebellious sinners from uh, from from their 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 own uh, uh, um, uh, from their own self destruction, from his righteous wrath. If he makes a plan for that, and if he says that uh, uh, his his church, his people, will be made up of every generation, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. That's not just a shot in the dark. That's not just a wild guess. It's as good as done. Because his knowledge is perfect. That means we can trust him. Nothing takes him by surprise. Or Let's make it personal. Like, have you ever asked questions like, man, does, does God even know how hard this season of life is for me? Does he even care? Does he understand? Does he know what I did? Does he know what I'm going through? The answer is always yes. For the Christian, the answer is always a comforting yes. He knows our pain. He knows our mistakes. He knows our hopes. He knows the worst things about us. The secret thoughts that we are just so glad that no one else can listen in on. And yet, even when knowing that, he says, I love you. I want you. You can't earn your way into my presence. And so I'm offering my son. And because he did that we know that he's always good romans 8 says man if 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 god who who did who, the god who did not um uh spare his own son if he didn't even spare his own son for us like how much more will he just graciously give us what we need You see, this is why we're told in that famous proverb, in Proverbs 3, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You see, the wise, those who see themselves as wise will govern themselves according to what they think is wise. But those who are truly wise will govern themselves by what the Lord himself declares. And they will not set their own finite understanding up against his. I want you to think right now, who is it it that you go to for wisdom? Who is it that you go to for advice when you're going through a a hard time? That's a good thing to to, to have people like that, right? Who are sort of in your corner, in your court that you can go to for wisdom, they can go to for advice. Proverbs 11 says it's a good thing to have many counselors like that. But even the wisest of our counselors had to learn everything that they know. But as we've seen, God has no counselor. He needs no teacher. He knows all things and he's good. And he invites us to learn more about him, to gain more of his knowledge and to trust him. You see, what we have in the word of God, and this is why why the word of God is such a gift to us, The fact that he has preserved his revealed word to us throughout centuries. The word is God's revealed will. It's his very wisdom. That's why we call it his word. The wisdom of God is right here, right there in the scriptures. And Jesus, the word who became flesh, reveals God's intimate will for the broken and the lost and the sinners like you and me. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. Even my grandest visions of, 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 uh, of, of, of a kingdom, of a divine kingdom, even the most beautiful visions that I have of, of, of how things should be, pale in comparison to God's kingdom and to his will you see that's why we pray your kingdom come your will be done because the help that we need the hope that we need and and that we, we hope for it comes from from outside of us from the God who's perfect from the God who knows best again that question who is the counselor of the Lord the answer is nobody you can't give the all wise God advice. Like who in their right mind would tell God how to do his job? The wild thing is we do that all the time. Every single one of us does this. Like, have you ever said like, hey, why does why God give me like sort of this? Why doesn't God give me this thing that I want over here? Right? Why doesn't he give me these plans that I want over here? If I only had this thing, if my plans only went that way, then I would have all that I need. Then I would be completely fulfilled. Or if I only had a different job, if I only had a spouse, or if I had a different spouse, if I had that house or this much money in savings, if I lived in this place rather than that place, then I'll feel complete, then I'll feel whole, then I'll feel secure and fulfilled and whole. We see inadvertently, we like to think that our counsel, that our wisdom is better and more perfect than God's and what he's revealed to us. In verse 35, he quotes from the book of Job. In verse 35, he says, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Now, Just quickly, if you know the story about Job, you know it's a crazy story about a man who had everything and then he loses everything. And at one point, towards the end of the book of Job, Job just breaks down and he starts to say, man, I wish I could just sit God down and just ask him a few questions. If I had that opportunity, I'd like to sit him down, uh, let him know, uh, uh, give him a piece of my mind and just ask him some questions. And then in Job 38, God shows up and he's like, hey, you called? And he starts going on. He says to Job, hey, where were you when I created the universe? When I told this star to go over here and send that star flying over there? Where were you when I thought up the laws of physics that everything in creation just has to abide by? Where were you when I thought up the ocean and told the shore where to stop? Where were you when I formed mankind from the dust of the ground? And God just goes on and on and on. And then he says... God says to Job, Who has a claim against me that I owe them back? Everything under heaven belongs to me. In other words, he's saying, like this account in the book of Job just kind of reveals to us that God does not owe Job anything. God does not owe any of us anything. Yet, He's given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word. Even more so, he's given virtually everything up in his son Jesus Christ to show his love for undeserving people like you and me. Now why does any of this matter? What does any of this have to do with God's omniscience? I want you to understand how big God really is. He doesn't just have all wisdom and knowledge. He's the very source of it. All wisdom and all knowledge always points back to him. There's nothing true that is not rooted in him. There's nothing good that does not reveal his character. There's nothing beautiful that does not point to his splendor. It shows us the bigness of God shows us that the primary reason that God is worthy of our worship is simply because of who he is. He's not like any person. He's not like any creature. God is not worshiped by us because he needs it from us. He's not he's not up on some cloud saying worship me, please worship me, right? He's not emotionally dependent. He doesn't we're, he's not worshipped because he needs it from us, but because he's worthy of it. He's better than us. He's bigger than us. He's worthy in every way of our humble trust and worship. This is the depth of the riches of God, Paul is saying. And in verse 36, we see that this theology that Paul is just bursting forth about, that he's just exclaiming in worship about, this theology leads to what we call doxology. Authentic worship. We see that in verse 36. He says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That's how Paul concludes his thoughts on the omniscience of God. He says, from him and through him and to him, to God are all things to him. To God be glory forever. Amen. So as we as, as we close, I want to give you guys a couple points of application on, on this passage, on the omniscience of God for us. First, as we've said, if God is omniscient, if He's the God that knows all things, then we can trust Him and we can praise Him. He's worthy of our worship and He's worthy of our trust. Number two, don't be wise in your own sight. That's actually a callback, a throwback to verse 25 of Romans 11, when Paul, tells, when, when Paul says, don't be wise in your own sight. You see, this is why as, 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 as Christians who care about their own character and humility, uh, this is why Christians, uh, we need to care about self-awareness and about self-evaluation. You see, part of what it means to be wise in your own eyes is that you think too much of yourself and you think too little of others. All you have to do is turn on any news channel from any network in our nation to see that that is the predominant uh, bent of a depraved human heart. We think too much of ourselves. We think too little of others. We talk about and we treat them as less than. But don't be wise in your own eyes. Your presuppositions, your prejudgments, don't define what is true and good and wise. God does. And so don't be wise in your own sight. Number three, lean into the wisdom of the word. Lean into the wisdom of the word. In, In Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The way that your minds are renewed is through the word of God, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, if you want to know what is good, is acceptable and perfect, if you want to know what true wisdom is, then you need to wash your mind, renew your mind with the wisdom of God's Word. You need to lean into it. You need to meditate on it, pray through it. Lastly, I don't know if there's a slide for this one, but the last point of application. Yeah, there isn't. The last point of application, uh, number four, is simply we just run to the gospel. Run to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ you see in Jesus we see that the God who knows all things even the worst about us even the bad things the worst things still loves still sacrifices and still serves us and still even though we're unlovable even though we're unworthy he makes us the object of his love he ascribes to us worth in Christ that even though He knows everything about us, we see in the gospel that He is good. Run to the gospel, and you see the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, left to our own selves, our minds are going to gravitate towards things that reek of, of death. Of reek, that reek of foolishness. If it's left up to us, we will settle for the lesser things. You see, God knows all things as creator and we can pursue his knowledge as the created. And so we immerse ourselves in his word so we can know his ways, understand that he is trustworthy, turn from death and go after what is worth it what is pleasing, what is good, what is acceptable. We can go after the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church there's no .com in that just kx.church thanks again for listening